0: Thank you very much for your welcome. It's great to be here. Uh, I looked in my diary to see the last time when I preached here and it was in 2016. So a few years ago and that was in July. So presumably it was another pulpit swap. Uh, Can I bring you greetings from Comberton Baptist Church? Some of you will know Comberton very well. Um, Mike's already mentioned the Cluster T. The next Cluster T is on the 25th of September. And it's that Combaton. and so it's when we've got six churches in the cluster and we get together uh, three times a year to, to meet together, to get to know each other, to hear what God is doing in our different congregations. And it's always exciting to hear uh, what God is doing. Um, those of you that know Combaton, if you were to come to Combaton this morning, uh, you would be surprised by the changes to the building that have happened since the, uh, the lockdown began. Uh, You might also be surprised to learn that about 25% of our congregation is now Cantonese speaking. Um, All down to what God has been doing uh, in our part of Cambridgeshire. And so it's always good to to learn from other churches and see what God is doing in our neighbourhoods. As has already been said, uh, last week you started uh, this new preaching series, People of the Future, a journey through Thessalonians and uh, last week um, Adrian introduced you to this verse I know you can't miss it I noticed it's on the door as you come in as well hopefully by the end of the series you'll have you'll have clocked that this verse uh, is part of the the main theme of of what you are doing Uh, so you became a model to all the believers and we're going to keep coming to or you'll keep coming back to this verse as you go through the series um, I don't know what you feel about this idea of being a model uh, that others are going to look at. Others are going to imitate. Others are going to copy. Uh, you might think that's quite an exciting thing. Uh, you might find it quite uh, daunting. Uh, and <clears throat> the thought that other people are going to look at me as an example of what it means to follow Jesus. They're going to look at me and copy either me as an individual or us as A congregation Uh, like lots of churches uh, at CBC we've been on a really steep learning curve over the last two and a bit years particularly with things like online church and video editing and everything I know or pretty much everything I know has either come from Adrian or most of it's come from YouTube Uh, And even this week I had to, I was asking YouTube, how do I track and blur faces in DaVinci Resolve? And uh, the reason that YouTube is so helpful and so successful is because it shows you on a video exactly what to do. You watch someone else do exactly what your question is asking and then you do what that you've just watched being done, Uh, a few months ago we had an error code come up on our washing machine. So, don't bother phoning anyone, just go to YouTube. Type in the name of the washing machine, error code, and up pops a little three minute video. This is what it means, this is how you clear the error code, and this is what you do to fix the problem. All sorted. So we learn by watching people and copying them. And so whatever you think about this idea of being a model, the reality is is that we are a model. People watch us, people copy us. The question is, is are we a good model or a poor model? Those of you who are parents, uh, most of what your children learn about their faith, they're gonna learn from you. They're not gonna learn it out here, they're not going to learn it with Wickham, they're certainly not going to learn it at school, they will learn it in the place they spend most of their time and that is at home. They will watch you, they will listen to you, they will be paying attention as you drive home after church, as you have lunch on a Sunday, they will be paying attention and they will learn from watching you. Now I have um, quite a mixed church background. I grew up in church, uh, but I've been to lots of different kinds of church. But if you have spent, and when I speak to people that have spent all their life in one church, it's really interesting because there's this kind of unwritten assumption, underlying assumption that all churches function exactly like the church that they are in. And that's what all churches do. And this is what being a Christian looks like and so naturally they model what they see and sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's not such a good thing, but Paul was commending the Thessalonian Christians because they were being a good model. Paul was confident that people could look at them, people could imitate what they were doing and that was a good thing. Now Who was here last week or watched last week's service online? Okay, so quite a few of you. Um, If you've not listened or you weren't here last week, then I'd encourage you to go back uh, online and to listen where Adrian gives a a good outline of the whole of the series. Um, Before I was a minister, I used to be a secondary school teacher and I used to teach maths, physics, and IT. And for some people, this is a good thing, but for other people, this is a really bad thing. Uh, But what were some of your least favorite things about school? Geography, Geography. other people, (laughs) maths, we can have a word afterwards, Getting getting up early, No one's mentioned homework, but I'm sure homework was right up there. Well, last week, Adrian gave you some homework. I've watched the video. I heard him do it. He asked you to read through all of Thessalonians in one go, because it's a letter, it's supposed to be read in one go, and then over the course of the week to Uh, to take one chapter a day and to read it a bit more slowly. Now I do have my red pen, but I'm not going to ask you to own up to whether or not you've done Adrian's homework. But if you haven't, I would encourage you to take some time this week to read through the whole of 1 Thessalonians and then go through it chapter by chapter. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Bible Project, uh, but they are um, a great online resource. They do all sorts of things. Um, If you've not, then their website, the Bible Project or bibleproject.com. But they do short videos, five, six, seven, eight minute videos where they do an overview of a whole book. And that QR code, if you were to scan that, would take you straight to the 1 Thessalonians video. It's about seven and a bit minutes long. Uh, And again, if you get a chance this week, have a look at that and it kind of outlines the whole book, where it goes, what are the main themes. So, let's read, I won't make sure, I'll leave it for a second while you take the photo of the slide. Great, and then so we're going to read 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 to 10. My next slide is blank. Do I need to advance? And here we go. Is that in the right place for you? Yeah, okay. So this is 1 Thessalonians chapter one. We're gonna read the whole of the chapter. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. And we pray that as we unpack it, you will speak to us in Jesus name, amen. I am keeping an eye on the clock. Um, One of the things about the pulpit swap is that you do need to give instructions to the different ministers because things are very different. I mean, the guy that's at Combaton, we told him you can preach between 18 and 22 minutes. Adrian said, you can have 30 to 40. So I'm gonna make sure that I, well, I, I'm used to kind of 15, so uh, I will make sure I don't just kind to of go on and on and on. So Adrian asked me to have a look uh, specifically this morning at 1 Thessalonians chapter one, verses four and five. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Uh, In terms of a uh, a title for today, I've called today Sharing the Gospel. And if you've got uh, your Bible open in front of you or your Bible on in front of you, then you'll see from chapter 2 and verse 14 that the church in Thessalonica was copying the example of the churches in Judea. And they, in turn, would have been copying other churches or would have been copying the example of Paul or the example of Peter or the example of one of the other apostles. They, in turn, would have been copying the example of Jesus. And so when it comes to sharing our faith, the way that we share our faith, the way that we talk about the gospel, the way that we share the gospel should mimic the way that the Thessalonians shared their faith, which in turn will mimic the way that Paul shared his faith with them. And we see from verse five that the gospel came to them with word, with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Last week, Adrian went a bit into the backstory of the Thessalonian church. And you find that in Acts chapter 17. Uh, Paul and Silas had been in a place called Philippi. They'd been put in jail and then there'd been this miraculous earthquake that had broken their chains, opened the doors. The jailer was about to fall on his sword, but he becomes a Christian and he and his whole family are baptized. And you can read that in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are released from prison the next day. And they go to this place called Thessalonica and they spend three Sabbaths meeting in the synagogue, reasoning from the Old Testament. They've got the Old Testament and they're reasoning with the Jews who were there that how the Old Testament has all been pointing to Jesus. And the fact that Jesus had to suffer, Jesus had to die and that Jesus was going to come back to life again. And we read that some Jews, a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women all became followers of Jesus. This doesn't go down well. And so there ends up being a riot. Um, And Paul and Silas, they leave for somewhere else. And again, people respond to the gospel. Again, there's a riot. And again, Paul leaves. This time he goes to Athens. And when he is in Athens, he debates with the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers of the day. And he's more than able to hold his own. Uh, this time he doesn't talk about the Old Testament at all. He touches on points within Greek culture and he makes those links. Uh, and again, people respond to the gospel. He's able to take the culture and draw out how these things point to Jesus how these things point to the resurrection. But Paul knew what to say. And when it comes to sharing the gospel, we do need to know what to say. I'm not talking about the ability to put together a PowerPoint presentation and stand in front of a large group of people. But in 1 Peter chapter 3.15, we read uh, the instruction there, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. This whole series is about living as people of the future now and because of Jesus we have hope for the future and this hope should make all the difference and the darker the days become, the more obvious our hope should shine. The more hopeless things become, then the more attractive and obvious our hope should be. Um, in Psalm 23, as a very well-known Psalm. Um, I'm just gonna pick out a couple of lines that we may be familiar with. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake and we often put a full stop paragraph break take a breath and then move on to the next line even though I walk through the darkest valley I will fear no evil but those two lines are actually right next to each other he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Sometimes the way that God leads us is into the darkest valley. And he wants us in the darkest valley because that is where he will reveal himself to us. I know from my own personal experience that it's been the hardest times of my life when I have experienced being closest to God. Um, Sue and I were in Great Almond Street hospital with our eldest daughter when she was born she was in intensive care for a week we had no idea whether she was going to live or whether she was going to die but the nursing staff who were on kind of 24-7 two people on the bed with her they noticed something about us uh, yes we were emotional yes there were lots of tears all the sorts of things you would expect in that kind of situation but we had a supernatural Peace that came from God not because he told us that she would be okay but because he told us that whatever happened he would be with us there we when we are in the darkest times God is often closest to us the cost of living crisis is going to deepen as we move from summer into Winter And as that happens, we are called to be people of hope. Our faith, our belief gives us hope. And because of what we believe and because of what we do, people will want to know why. What is the reason for the hope that you have? And we need to know what to say. We need to have the words to answer their question. So the Thessalonians, their faith, their love and their hope, which are kind of all inside things, was demonstrated on the outside. And so our faith, our love, our hope needs to be demonstrated. It will lead, as we see from verse 3, it will lead to works, it will lead to labour and it will lead to endurance. The ability to keep on keeping on. And of course, all of this comes out of the fact that we are chosen and we are loved. By God. Now if you don't have time to do your 1 Thessalonians reading, if you don't have time to check out the Bible Project, if you don't have time to read all of the Psalms, then just find a few minutes this week to reflect on the fact that you have been chosen and you are loved by God. So when you're waiting in the supermarket or another time you're waiting, don't get your phone out and check Twitter. Instead, just leave that in your pocket and just reflect on the fact that you have been chosen by God and you have been loved by God. Because that truth changes everything. Everything that we do, everything that we believe comes out of the fact that God has chosen us and that God loves us. Everything starts there and when we start to do things motivated out of the love that God has for us then people will want to know why do you do this and we need to be ready with words and so we need to know well what are the facts that I need to communicate about Jesus what difference has this made in my life And what are the connections between the gospel story and our culture? And if you've not already done an exercise like this, then I'd encourage you to think about the people that you're praying for. Think about the people that you're sharing your faith with and imagine a scenario where they've just asked you a question that opens the door for the gospel. And work out what it is you would say. How would you respond to that question? Write it down. Read it. Edit it. Reread it. Re edit it. Reread it. Re edit it. When you're happy with it, learn it. So that you won't ever be caught off guard. So that you won't ever miss an opportunity when someone asks you to tell them about the reason for the hope that you have. But it's not just about the words. It's also power, also involves the Holy Spirit and it comes with deep conviction. When we think about power, we probably think about miracles and certainly, Paul would have miracles in mind here. That's no no doubt that's part of what he's thinking about. The Thessalonians would have heard about what God had done in Philippi. And so they would have known all about the power of God. And sometimes we think, well, if only there were more miracles, I might be more successful in sharing the gospel. But there are plenty of examples in history where any number of miracles made no difference. I mean Jesus probably performed more miracles than anyone else and yet he ended up being executed with only a handful of followers watching on But we do certainly need to be a church that believes in miracles. We need to be a church that expects miracles. I've seen God do things that I cannot explain and we need to be prepared to pray for people and to pray that God would be the one that meets their needs. But I've also known people get sick and die. I've known people go for a job interview and not get the job. I've known people continue to struggle with their physical health or struggle with their mental health. And as we head into this winter, there will be people who will be asking the question, well, do I eat or do I eat? And Paul knew all these realities. He had friends who died. Some of them were killed because they, of their faith, but some got sick and died. Some were destitute. Some went hungry. And so when the New Testament talks about power, it's not just talking about miracles. In Acts chapter four, um, we read I'm just going to read this out. I thought I, I didn't make it on a slide because I had to have my slides ready by Friday. That's unheard of in my book, but um, Acts chapter four, um, and God's grace. So this is verse thirty-three. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. So what did God, What did God's power do that was uh, so powerfully at work? Well, the, the, what it did was that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So the power of God stirred people up, that they would meet, uh, so that they would meet the needs in others. They would, if they had stuff and others didn't, they'd sell it, and so they were. The power of God stirred up this love in them, that meant that they there was no need. In the community because whenever there was a need it was met by someone else in the community and as we head into this winter just imagine the impact that the national church could have if within every community God through his power didn't necessarily do any miracles but stirred people up to see that all the needs were met. What an amazing witness that would be. We also read Um, that the it is the power of God that gives us the hope that we have so when it is dark the hope that we have that's the power of God working in us when people turn to Jesus that's the power of God when we're able to resist temptation that's the power of God working in us and so we we shouldn't be discouraged if we're not seeing lots of kind of what we might think of as traditional miracles because The power of God is much more than just miracles. It is miracles, but it's not just miracles. It's about enabling us to live a life that we are faithful to God uh, and that is authentic and genuine. We don't need, it's not our job to change people's hearts. That's God's job. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that changes hearts and minds we need to be obedient to what it is that he's asking us to do. So uh, we need to be asking God, well what are the opportunities that you're putting in front of me? Uh, Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to be coming alongside? And we do our part and then leave the rest to God. And so that means we need to be praying. We need to be praying for ourselves that God would give us wisdom, that God would give us courage, that God would guide us. But we also need to be praying for, for those people that we're talking to, that the Holy Spirit would change their hearts and would change their minds. And finally, it comes with deep conviction. And I think this is about authentic, authenticity. And this is about, do I actually believe what I'm saying? Because I, th- this has to go deep. I have to be deeply convinced that what I'm saying is right. Imagine that we were on a trek through the jungle and we came to this bridge and you don't particularly like heights and you're not at all sure about this bridge. And I say to you, well, it's fine. This bridge is, you can see it's strong. It's definitely gonna hold your weight. Off you go across the bridge. But if I'm not prepared to step onto the bridge, that person's not gonna believe a word I say. My actions have to powerfully demonstrate that I actually believe what I say. So if I step onto the bridge and go across, then they're gonna believe that this bridge is gonna hold my weight. And so when we're sharing the gospel with people, they want to see that our lives reflect what we are actually saying. Our lives must back up our words. Because I'm inviting someone to follow Jesus whatever the cost and so they need to better look at my life and see what is he following Jesus whatever the cost and so the gospel came to the Thessalonian church with word, it came with power, it came with the Holy Spirit and it came with deep conviction. The words were important but it's not just the words and so as We seek to share the gospel with others as you seek to share the gospel with the people of Gambling Gate. You will need to use words, but those words need to be backed up in our lives with the power of the Holy Spirit demonstrated in us so that people can see that there is a deep conviction that makes a real difference but all of this as I said at the beginning all of this comes from the fact that knowing I'm loved by God and I'm chosen by God let's pray heavenly father we do thank you that you're a God who loves us and we thank you that you're a God who has chosen us and I pray that you would keep on bringing us back to the cross keep on reminding us of how much you love us and that our response to that love would be to demonstrate your love to others. And I pray that you would help us this week. Pray that you'd give us opportunities. Pray that you would help us to have the words to say. But we also pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be working in us so that when people look at us, They see that it's not just words. It does really make a difference. That they would look at us and think, wow, I want some of that. In Jesus' name.